Behind the headlines about the Cold War, another story was taking place, a story of faith and friendship between a pope and a president. Join us today as we explore the unique partnership of St. John Paul II and President Ronald Reagan with our special guest, Dr. Paul Kenger, author of the new book, A Pope and a President, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and the Extraordinary Untold Story of the 20th Century. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University Presents. Today we're going to be talking about the Pope and the President, uh, a new book from Paul Kenger. Uh, I'm Michael Hernan, the uh, host of Franciscan University Presents and the Vice President of Advancement here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. And I'm joined in our studios by our regular panelist, Dr. Regis Martin, uh, Professor of Systematic Theology here at Franciscan University. Uh, and Dr. Scott Hahn, who holds the Father Michael Scanlon Chair in Biblical Theology and uh, the New Evangelization, again here at Franciscan. And our special guest today, Dr. Paul Kanger. Uh, you're a, a political science professor at uh, Grove City College, but you're also the executive director of uh, the Vision and Values uh, Center there at, uh, it's kind of a think tank at, at sure. Grove City. Um, you're a visiting fellow also at the Hoover Institution, or Institute um, at, uh, at Stanford University. Um, you have been the author of God and Ronald Reagan, uh, God and George W. Bush, God and, and uh, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I sense a theme. Uh, kind uh, of an odd trinity there, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> those, those three. Right, right, right. right. And, and, and a number of others as well. Sure. Uh, but the book we're talking about today is A Pope and a President, uh, really the extraordinary untold story um, uh, of the 20th century. So uh, welcome to the program. It's Thank you. Great yeah, to have it's you good, back. It's good to be back. Yes. Appreciate yes. it. Yeah. 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 I love you guys. Love this college. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great yeah. place, and I really admire all that you're doing here. And yeah. I watch this show, too. So I really do. I always tune in to right. WTN, okay. 10 o'clock, Sunday nights. <laughs> you need a so, life pool. Yeah, I need a life. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm a fan. Yes. I, uh, it, I think this is one of the, the best shows on EWTN, uh, too, and, uh, which is high praise because I love EWTN. Oh, so it's good to be on. Yeah. I, I, it was on, I think, definitely before, maybe yeah, I believe twice yes, before. Yes, I think so. But, uh, so it's good to be back. So it is a joy to have you. I know you're, th this, is, this is very similar to a lot of the other sets. You're on TV and a lot of places. Secular as it's well. It's kind of like Bill O'Reilly's show. <laughs> you remind me a lot of Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> we're, we're both or, from Long Island. <laughs> it was Sean Hannity. That's, that's, that's right, that's right. That's right. right. So, um, so you, you start the book out. It's uh, the Pope and the President, or a Pope and a President. And um, you don't start it out with the early life necessarily uh, of these two two figures, these these really uh, pillars in our, in our last century here. Uh, but you start you start with Our Lady, uh, mm. with Mary, uh, with the story of Our Lady of Fatima. I do, um, which probably shocked some people. Uh, right. You get this published in a very secular uh, press, mm -hmm. and um, it, why did you start the book that way? And what, what what's the significance of Our Lady of Fatima? Because we're we're sure. right now in the hundredth anniversary. Uh, right, of right. the uh, uh, visions, uh, the apparitions, rather, at, uh, at Fatima. And that was part of the plan, too, was to release a book in 2017, which okay. is one of the only things I got right. I, yeah. I, also, <laughs> I planned to right. do, right. I went back and I read the notes to myself that yes. I wrote about five or six years ago, and it said, 
write a book on this, get it out in time for the centenaries of Fatima and the wow. Bolshevik Revolution. Wow. So I'm patting myself on the back there. And Good it job. said, make it no longer than about 200 pages. Right. I and see. so it's, yeah. I think, 648. Yeah. And I okay. turned in a manuscript of 340,000 words. Wow. Oh my wow. Is, uh, so it wasn't, wasn't all that easy to tell. But you know, one thing I've learned in, in book writing is that the best way to hook the reader is to hook the reader with a story, right? Mm. right. important mm. story. And so I open it up, a scene, if you will. And I remember Stephen Ambrose, the great World War II historian, one time talking about you know, the right way to open a book, right? Mm. You, wanna, you wanna hook people in those first few pages, those first few lines. So if you're telling a story of, well, 1917, until the death of John Paul II in 2005, what do you start it with? Right. And I thought, well, thematically, and kind of the main issue in the whole story, I started with Fatima, right. Our Lady of Fatima, the feast day, May 13, 1981. Right. with the shooting of John Paul II. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's really, that's the high drama, yes. is that, that whole scene in St. Peter's Square, riding through there, May 13th, 1981. They drop off the shooter, Mahmoud Ali Asha, about 9 a.m. He's there all day long. Hmm. He and Oral Chelik, his accomplice, they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you know, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. And by the way, you'll love this. George Weigel, the, you know, the biographer to John Paul II, there's a little bit of dispute as to when exactly the bullet was fired. Mm -hmm. uh, Weigel says 5.13 p.m. Yeah. So yeah. where the, the exact yeah. time right. on the clock right. marked 5.13, and And then he shot him, and he went down. He collapsed into the arms of Father Jivich. Yeah. And you know, that picture of Jivich kind of cradling him right. as, he, yeah. as he fell. So I thought, that's the way to open the book. And, and, and that's how I opened it. And then from there on, that's basically the preface. Then you start doing the chronological narrative of the story. And so then I drop back to May 13th, 1917, which I'm sure for a lot of non-Catholics who've read my books, you know, starting with God and Reagan and others, that was probably quite a shock yeah, to right. bring Fatima into right. it. But yeah. as I tell them at the very beginning, I said, you don't have to believe this, right. okay? You know, if, if yeah, I said a lot of Catholics don't even know this right. history. I said, but if you want to know what John Paul II believed and what also deeply intrigued Ronald Reagan yeah. as well, then then you need you need to understand Fatima. So I start with Fatima which May 13th, 1917, and the Miracle of the Sun, October 13th, 1917. Then we get to the Bolshevik Revolution, which broke out, you know, 12, 13 days yeah. right. after yeah. the Miracle of the Sun. That's, so that's pretty consequential. <laughs> really, yes, really exactly right. Sure. One of my favorite John Paul lines is when he was reflecting on the assassination attempt, he said, one hand fired the gun. Right. Another right. hand guided right. the bullet. Yeah, yes. deflected. Because, I mean, it was right. a fraction of an inch. Fraction from of an inch. A fatal shot. Yeah. Right, right. It would have been. The assassin himself was a trained professional. That's yeah. right. That's but, I mean, right. this element of providence is so present in the whole narrative yeah. right. for more than a century. Yes. And I would say, Far beyond 2017 as well. Right, yeah, right. Sure, and, sure. And, and Father Jeevich said as well, he said, one traffic obstruction along the way from, from St. Peter's Square to Gemelli Hospital is that he would have bled to death. Is that right? And, and that, was, that was exactly the conclusion mm. of, uh, of Ronald Reagan, the guy, uh, Jerry Parr, the Secret Service agent, who thrust Ronald Reagan into the back of the limo. Reagan was shot. See, everybody forgets this. Everybody remembers, yeah. oh, yeah, they were both shot, right? Well, they were shot six weeks apart. Wow. 
So yeah. Reagan, March 30th, 1981, and then John Paul II, May 13th, 1981. And Reagan, it just missed the, the main aortic valve by, by centimeters. And with John Paul II, he was hit in the hand and in the stomach. And it missed a, a, an artery down there, an, an abdominal artery by centimeters. Right. I think John Paul needed six pints of blood transfused and Reagan needed eight. Yeah, that's not... Uh, right, so you had these two very... Right, two very uh, physically fit um, older men at that point. John Paul II would have been close to 60, Reagan yeah. about 70. Yeah. And, you know, Reagan, it's just like a man of physical strength, lifeguard, everything else. He said, oh, I'm going to get out of the car and walk into the hospital. Yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. Well, they were both amazingly robust men. They were. On the eve of these attempted assassinations. I'm struck by that detail about uh, traffic obstructions. Yeah. Right. I spent four and a half years in Rome, and everything was in traffic. <laughs> right, right. right. Yes, yes. Yes. That, is, that is the Getting to the standard. local bar, you had to navigate uh, a lot of this, this sure. stuff. So it's miraculous. I mean, somebody said that when God wants to disguise his name, he sends a coincidence. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yes. it, it, it's sort of it's anonymous, but, but the thread, the hand of God was present. And your book is, is so wonderfully inspiring. Uh, and Thank you. Somebody said that you, you want to slay your reader with your opening sentence, and mm -hmm. I think you've succeeded. Mm -hmm. You've yeah. captured us yeah. right from the beginning. The drama is just so gripping. Well, and imagine, uh, you know, you're right about Rome, right, trying to drive around the streets and and the doctor whose name was Francesco Cruciti he sped the wrong way down a down the street to try to to try to get there as soon as he heard news that the Holy right. Father was hit but which was not an unusual thing but but he but he had to convince a police officer holding a submachine gun right. who he was and to let him get to the hospital and then he said he got to the hospital Jamelli hospital and usually you just wait and wait and wait for an elevator to open he said some unknown genius as he put it had opened every single elevator oh my so oh all my the God. elevators are open ready to go and he just walked in and went right up to the ninth floor and he went in and is mobbed by you know these Italian nurses who start you know scrubbing him and everything and getting getting him changed and he walked in and his patient's blood pressure dropped to 70 yeah. and uh, Father Zivich annoyed him with the last rites he said it was tearing me up inside, but he said, but I, but I had to do it. Yeah. And so, I mean, no one really knew how, how close it was. And with Ronald Reagan, I mean, they reported, I think it was maybe Frank Reynolds of ABC News reported that he hadn't even been hit yeah. initially. Hmm. Uh, Nancy Reagan had no idea what to expect when oh. she got to the hospital. You know, she yeah. was, um, she and Bill Clark met there. I talked about, about yeah. Bill Clark, but... Bill said, yeah, Nancy was a, a worrywart, as he, as he called her, always worried, but she was pretty composed when she oh, got there. She wasn't really expecting yeah. anything all that bad. And meanwhile, her husband's laying there bleeding to death right, yeah. right before he went out. Yeah. But his line also, I'm sorry, Nancy, I forgot to die. I forgot to die. <laughs> and, and, to the, and to the doctors, right, the surgical team, I hope you're all Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, just always the just a great line. That's right. The actor. Well, and, and it really is, I mean, going back even to Our Lady, that, that they both had this fascination. They, obviously, John Paul II had a deep uh, devotion, his, his motto, totus tuus, totally yours to right. Our Lady, uh, but, but a particular devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. And then the fascination, really, that, that Reagan had. I mean, and just even you being on, on secular radio, uh, it was Glenn Beck or somebody mm -hmm. else who mm -hmm. spent the whole time just talking about Fatima. Right. I know? was amazed by that. Yeah. yeah. I, the, uh, you know, the early promotion for the book is crucial, right? And I did, I think we gave exclusive radio, first radio rights to Mark Levin. I think it was a Monday night. And we talked about 
uh, the Soviet role right. in the shooting. And then the next morning I did Glenn Beck's show and, and I've done Beck's show a lot and I was gonna pitch him on the book. He came to me oh, well, on this well. and so I was surprised. And then they had me on the show and it's like 10.07, it's like you know, right after the news they had me on. I'm hoping to get 15 minutes, right. you know how it goes. And then they go to a, one of their first hard commercial breaks. Well, he kept me on, he said, could you stay on for a minute? I said, yeah, sure. So about 10.27, 10.28, he brought me back on for a couple more minutes. And then he said, Paul, when you come back, and meanwhile, I had another show scheduled at 10.30. They never hold you past 10.30. Yeah, yeah. He said, I want you to tell our audience about Our Lady of Fatima. And, Alice, and, I'm, and I'm sitting in my office at Grove City thinking, really? You want me to talk about, talk about Fatima? I didn't say that on the air, but... They carried me over and then carried me up to about 10.50 at the top, had me on for a whole hour. And oh, I've had people who've emailed me and talked to me at book events who said, I couldn't believe the Beck interview. I, I just sat there yeah. in my car. That was amazing. For like 45 minutes. Yeah. And, and uh, Beck emailed me after, after he did the show. And I said, thank you very much for all of that. And he, he said, I've been intrigued by this my entire life. Oh, wow. And I didn't know this. He went to Catholic schools. Yeah. Yeah, Glenn Beck yeah. went to a Catholic school. He said, oh, yeah, the nuns? Everybody said, we all talked about the third secret of faith. <laughs> yeah. well, hadn't he been a Catholic? But no. Well, I don't know if he had no, ever he been. Had, his oh, wife was, though. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, yeah, so I, I don't know I if think. he was ever Catholic or not. But, I'd, but so apparently he went to a Catholic school at one point. Yeah. And he's, um, he's Mormon now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and so he's got a pretty, you know, pretty interesting faith story. But, but the, I've been pleasantly surprised at the number of people. I have gotten no blowback, if you will, yeah. from non-Catholics about bringing Fatima in. And I think part of this, you know, I, I consecrated this book yeah, to Our yeah. Lady of Fatima. Well, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the interest in Fatima, but I'm also amazed by how many people don't know about it. Yes, yeah. and right, I, mean, me too. I didn't know about it as an evangelical Protestant. I wouldn't expect to be delving. You know. I remember when Kimberly was in labor uh, uh, in Grove City Hospital, mm, yeah. uh, ready to give birth to Gabriel, our second son. And this was August 18th, the day before August 19th, which was the apparition, was the only time right. that Our Lady didn't appear on the 13th because the authorities had arrested the kids, the kids and be put held. them in jail. Mm. And so on the 19th, he appeared. she appeared to them. And anyway, the, uh, the, the, the documentary that was on TV, I well, what, 60, 70,000 people witnessed the miracle of the sun in Fatima, Portugal? Yeah, yes. Why have I never? She's like, could you turn the TV off? I'm like, okay. And after the labor, I turn it back on <laughs> in between contractions. But I mean, I was transfixed by right, this. Right, right, right. Yeah. But so I'm now running into Catholics who don't know about So you, you didn't immediately reject it? As, well, uh, no, I was already beginning to open up to the possibility that Catholics had some things right. Sure, right, right, you know, right. This is right. 84, two years before I became a Catholic. Well, I remember, too, uh, you know, um, Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible answer. Oh, yeah. Because you and I, as former Protestants, so we know all this stuff. But he's recently converted to Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. Yeah. But I remember he used to talk about, he had a kind of a four-point apologetic for defending the resurrection. And one of them was, consider all the witnesses. Right. You know, this many witnesses That's of an right. event don't have a mass hallucination where they all see the same thing. Especially yeah. when thousands were Marxist, secularist, Masons right. coming to discredit the kids. Exactly. Yeah. With that exactly. Intention in mind. exactly. Yeah. And when I heard that, and when I saw the documentation of it, and I first heard of it as, um, as an evangelical doing work on the Cold War 
And and when I heard about these predictions that she made, I was blown away by it. Right. And and I, I was really hooked. That was one of the first things that kind of you know, drew me back to Catholicism. I, I'm technically a revert, not a right. convert. Right, right, it's a long right, right. story. But, but you weren't in the faith when you read or wrote the book God and Ronald Reagan. I wasn't, no. So this wasn't part of your story. None back. of it. You talked none about his it. faith, but you didn't talk about I don't know Fatima any of this. And so forth. Not, none, of the, none of the Mary interest or, or anything. I mean, that was all completely new to me. Yeah. And I think so that book came out in February 2004, so it was a few months before he died. Yeah. And it was shortly after that that my first indication of Reagan's interest in Mary, I was watching the, the funeral service at the National Cathedral, and I had been invited by Bill Clark, yeah. who, was, who was there. Clark was Reagan's closest advisor, devout Catholic. Um, I, I, I'm his biographer. He died a few years ago. Right. Um, that book was an Ignatius Press book, like a grandfather to me. I dedicate this book to Bill Clark. Yeah. And he, he invited me there, and I said, I don't know that I could get away. It, at that point, so the book came out in February. So I did about 100 interviews on that book. Mm-hmm. It came out in February. It made the bestseller list. And then six months later, he died. Not six months, about four months, I guess. And so all these shows had me back on again. Oh, yeah. and, and so I told Bill, I said, I, I'd love to come to Reagan's funeral, but I've, I'm like doing Bill O'Reilly's show tonight. I've got to, I don't know how I could break away. And he said, are you talking about Reagan's faith? I said, I am. He said, don't come. Just, yeah. just, just do yeah. what you're doing. Beautiful. I want to pick up on good. This yeah, the, the Mary week. part of it. Yeah, uh, stay with us. Franciscan University presents. In October 1997, six years after the dissolution of the USSR, the Pope wrote, "On the threshold of the third millennium, as we observe the signs of the times in this 20th century." Fatima is certainly one of the greatest. It stands out and helps us see the hand of God, our providential guide and patient and compassionate father, also in the 20th century. People recognize Franciscan University as being academically excellent and passionately Catholic. We have the unique opportunity through our faculty members, through our students, to proclaim that academic excellence by reaching out in many different ways. We also remain passionately Catholic in the way in which we are able to worship, the way in which we are able to bring that love of Christ to others on a daily basis. It's important for us to be able to embrace both. On March 25, 1984, Pope John Paul II, the totally yours Marian Pope, endeavored finally to accomplish what Our Lady of Fatima had requested seven decades earlier. He set out to consecrate communist Russia to her immaculate heart, the promised step to turning the Soviet state away from its wicked ways. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We're talking about a pope and a president with uh, Dr. Paul Kanger, uh, a professor and leader, speaker, and author. So um, we kind of trailed off there in the last segment. Um, um, you were just about to get into a little bit of, of Reagan's kind of fascination um, with Mary. Mm. And uh, again, that was something that I think most people don't have any idea no. uh, that that was in there. So there's a lot of golden nuggets <laughs> in the book here, but but try to give us a little taste of what Well, so so I was, wa- I was watching the, the National Cathedral service, and I was literally on the phone talking to an AP reporter, like doing kind of live AP radio at the time. 
And at one point, after all these different people gave up, stand up, stood up there and gave readings, quoting City on the Hill verse from Matthew and yeah. so forth. It was all really beautifully done. <clears throat> and then Ronan Tynan, the great Irish tenor, gets yeah. up there oh. and belts out Ave Maria. And I thought... At, at, at the National yeah, Cathedral, right? Yeah, I thought, right. I thought, well, what's this? Why is he singing Ave Maria, of all, of all things? Yeah. You know, why, why that? Yeah. And I immediately called Bill Clark on, on the cell phone. Well, not immediately, but you know, waited a little bit, of course, maybe that day. Or, and he said, he said, you know, Paul, I held it together pretty well through everything. The Capitol Rotunda, he said, but I just lost it when, when that happened. And, and so we immediately just tried to figure out, well, why did he pick, why Ave Maria? Who picked right. Ave Maria? So we, we contacted uh, Nancy Reagan's chief of staff, Joanne Drake, who's wonderful, by the way. It was enormously helpful. I mean, I interviewed Nancy Reagan probably 15 times, always through her. I mean, she would, she would give me an answer to a question. That what, what I love about your book, too, is you're citing sources, both uh, declassified documents, sure. uh, interviews with all the leaders, all the people who surrounded a lot of these men. So, I mean... A lot of homework. The, yeah. yeah people, a lot of people. Many, many years of research, really. Right. Sorry, I didn't right. want to... Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. It's huge. So, so, we, so we asked her, we said, who picked, who picked Ave Maria? And she said, well, the president picked yeah, it. Ronnie. So, what do you mean he picked it? When? So, well, he picked this. You know, he drew up the plans for this of how he wanted his funeral to be, you know, years before. Right. Before, before it faded from Alzheimer's. And it probably would have been the late 1990s. And so he picked Ave Maria. And I thought, well, why did he pick Ave Maria, of, of all things? And I asked her, we asked Nancy, and, and you know, Nancy said he just loved the hymn. It, mm. was, it was one of his favorite hymns. I even asked Ronan Tynan. I was able to track him down. And he said, he said I too was surprised by the pick of Ave Maria. He said, but I understand that he had a special devotion to the Blessed Mother. And I thought, Amazing. special devotion to the Blessed Mother. Yeah, yeah. So that, that began for me, you know, unpacking and finding this Reagan interest in Mary yeah. that I, I didn't expect. And in right. a way, it's not too surprising. His, his father was Catholic. Right. And, but, but historians and biographers have always said, ah, the father was an apathetic Catholic, you know, didn't really go to man. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. Um, I mean, the mother was you know, disciples of Christ, yeah. Protestant, on fire for the Lord. Yes. I mean, and the dad wasn't that from what we could tell right. but reagan's brother neil became a very devout catholic right. he was a daily yeah. communicant yeah. by the end i mean of one could argue that the father's alcoholism could certainly have undermined mm -hmm. uh, his right. son's confidence right. in anything right. he might have done he was fairly absent and his mother's zeal it did his mother's zeal i mean he, she would take him to Bible study, you know, right. Sunday school and that kind of thing. Yeah, he, so he really gravitated toward his mother's right. zeal right. on that. And the father, if anything, kind of indirectly, uh, Ronald Reagan's daughter, Patty, said that he kind of learned that he couldn't really rely on his right. earthly father, right. which kind of pushed him to his, yeah. to his uh, heavenly father. And, you know, yeah. there's a kind of a great yeah. anecdote where, sad, tragic anecdote, where Ronald Reagan's coming home from the YMCA in Dixon, Illinois. He was about 11 years old yeah. at that point. His mother was out on a sewing job trying to scare up some money and it was snowing outside, cold, middle of the day. And he comes home and his father is laying there on the front porch in the snow, passed out drunk. Yeah, and crazy. as Reagan said, put arms outstretched as if he were crucified. Yeah. And, and Reagan picked him up and dragged him into the house and brought him inside oh. and, and put him to bed. And, you know, that really shook him. 
Yeah, those are those are fundamental uh, memories that are those are burned moments. into your mind. Right, really, right. You know? Yeah, and yeah. he and he never forgot that. So he he kind of followed his mother, but Neil, his brother. I mean, so he and his brother were baptized at the Disciples of Christ Church, right. but then the brother pretty quickly went to Catholicism, became right. a member of the Knights of Columbus. I. I I went to the KFC. I think the father might have been a member, but I'm not totally sure. Okay. I know he went to Knight's events. Okay. And, and the brother was a member. And the brother throughout his life, you know, one of the things that one of the people who knew the brother told me, this was uh, Bob Riley, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He Bob said, Riley. we considered Reagan an honorary Catholic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but the brother, Neil, was asked, he said, boy, your brother's done everything. He's been a movie star. He was on radio, TV. He's been president. Could you think of anything else that you'd like to see him do in his life? And Neil, without hesitation, said, yeah, I'd like him to be Catholic. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that great? Hey, can I fast forward for a second to one of my favorite parts of the book, Frank Shakespeare. Oh, yes. The ambassador. And then later, the speech that Reagan gave in 85 in Portugal. In Portugal. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. even what Reagan did, which no other U.S. president and, did. <laughs> and I had, I had no idea of this. I didn't discover this till probably about three or four years ago, if even that, maybe 2013, 2014. I was interviewing Tony Dolan, who mm -hmm. was Reagan's chief speechwriter, very devout Catholic, he, but he always complains. He emails me, quit calling me a devout Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> he always says, Bill Clark used to say the same thing. They're both very humble. They, they were, are devout Catholics. But I, I was asking him about Reagan's interest in Fatima and even Medjugorje, of, of all things. And, and I was trying to put together this Fatima interest, and he, and he said, almost in passing, he said, he said, well, and you know, of course, Reagan mentioned Fatima in the speech in Portugal. Right. And, and I, I, I said, what? what? What are you talking about? And he said, the, the, the Portugal speech. You don't know about the Portugal speech? And I said, no, I don't know about the Portugal. I mean, no one does, yeah, but, but yeah, Tony did. That's right. And so I... Well, he I, wrote it, right? Uh, yeah, and that's right. Don't, I, yeah, I think he, he did write it. Yeah, and he said that line on Mary, he doesn't know how they got it in. But, but and I, I know how they got in, more on that in a second. But, but, but so I, I got off the phone and I, and I went to the, the public papers of the President of the United States and I've done what I've done a million times, typed in a keyword, and for whatever reason, I never typed in the word Fatima. Well, why would I? Why, yeah, yeah, right. no reason. Why, why would I? And so I typed in Fatima and it popped up. It was like May 9th, 1985, Portugal. I almost fell off my chair. And I opened it up and Reagan in this amazing passage mentions Mary, the, the, the shrine in Fatima, John Paul II visiting the shrine in Fatima, the three shepherd children, yeah. and the line is something like, in the, in the prayers of these three children of Fatima, there, do you have it? Yeah, right there. Can, I, can you read it? I don't, I gotta put yeah, my glasses, get my glasses on. Yeah, I've got my glasses on. But in the, do you have it? Can you read it? I can't read it, no. It, it goes, in the, in the prayers of the three children of Fatima, there resides more, more power, power than in all, all the, the great armies and statesmen of the world. Than all I the memorized, great armies and statesmen of the world. I memorized that line. Is I delivered it. I quoted this at Fatima on Did May you? 13th. Wow, wow. And the translators because took of about, his book, yeah, <laughs> it took about five seconds for the translators to put it in the Portuguese. Then all of a sudden, a delayed reaction. Yes, the Portuguese didn't know right the speech. They were stunned by the reference to the children and the armies, and right. it was an amazing moment. That was the mm -hmm. same reaction mm -hmm. Reagan got when he gave the speech yeah. because they waited for the translation yeah. in their ears. I mean, a lot That's of right, them heard it in that. English, and then they were they were stunned to, to, <laughs> to hear that. And I, and I asked Dolan, I, I said, how did you even get that in the... First of all, no one reported on it. The only source that reported on Reagan even going to Portugal was the New York Times, which mentioned nothing about that line. Right. And I, I said, how did you get it through it? Basically, it turns out Reagan was on a 10-day trip 
to Europe, and this was the time, you guys will remember this probably, the Bitburg controversy right, with the Germany. Nazis in the, yeah, cemetery. the cemetery. That's yeah. all that the media focused on. Right. Yeah. It's all they cared about. It's yeah. all they cared about. So he goes in and gives this kind of stealth speech in <laughs> Portugal. And normally, Dolan and these guys would point out, they, they would send the speech like that to what they called staffing, where uh -huh. the head of whatever would read it and the State Department would read it. And, Crossing out lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, th so this would go, and he said it was like a protective hand. Slipped it in had, there. Had gotten this well, one yeah. through. It and, and, Reagan, and Reagan established a, a, a uh, ambassador with the Vatican. He did. I'm in the U.S. The year before. They were diplomatic relations. And, and that before. was Frank Shakespeare. Right? That was, yeah. And it was, it was uh, Bill Wilson first right. and then Frank Shakespeare. Right. Yeah. And interesting about Shakespeare was, and this is when I realized I had to interview Shakespeare, he was ambassador to Portugal before right. he was right. ambassador to uh, to the Vatican, wow. yeah. and wow. and what he a told yeah what, <laughs> right, and he, he told me he said that he was walking down the street in Washington, and someone from the State Department came up to him and said, Frank Frank Shakespeare. He said, would would you be interested if somebody offered you the position of ambassador to Portugal, would you be interested? And he said this had been a, he had been a major TV executive and everything else. He said I didn't want any of this. I could have been offered the ambassadorship to France. And I went meh. He said, but I immediately on the spot, because I thought of Fatima, said, yeah. Really? Yeah. And he said, I thought of myself immediately as the ambassador to yeah. Fatima. Well, well, Frank was, was genuinely devout. Mm -hmm. yeah. We knew him well oh. in Rome. His daughter babysat our children. And my wife, one Fre uh, Frederica season, is the daughter? Yes. Okay. Would shepherd Frank and his entourage from one church to another to view these wonderful scenes of mm. the nativity. And, and Frank was really uh, uh, impressed and moved by that, by the piety, the traditional piety of the Italians. And then to sort of culminate uh, this, uh, hmm. this pious excursion, they would stop at McDonald's and have <laughs> Big Macs together. There you go. <laughs> no, Way one to last, celebrate. One last thing. You know, context is key. And when you look at the context from which he, you know, in the speech, he's referring specifically to the chance meeting that had been arranged last minute a year earlier between Reagan and John Paul in Alaska. Right, right. And Reagan is talking specifically about what he brought up with John Paul and in Alaska. Yes. And how it's not just the children of Fatima. He actually likened John Paul to the children of Fatima. Yes. And said, people like you are people the ones like that God uses more than the armies. Yes, right. yes. And that is, that is a non-Catholic, wow. yeah. that's a Protestant Amazing. president, right? Yeah. So in the powers of simple people like the children of Fatima, there resides more power than all the great armies and states. Yeah. But it really, belies, it, it really belies the conventional wisdom about Reagan. I mean, the popular yes. perception is right. here's a warmonger. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. Uh, and yet he appeals uh, to a principle that transcends yeah. armies. I mean, this is not an That's actor right. just spouting lines. This is not a Teflon president. There was a depth that is sort of missed because of his simplicity. Yeah. And, and, you know, the famous line from Stalin, right? You know, right. How many divisions does right. the Pope have, yeah. right? Yeah. Which yeah. Reagan had ridiculed that line when Reagan wrote a radio commentary. He wrote all of those in the 1970s. He wrote the radio commentaries he delivered when he was given these daily syndicated radio columns. And that was when John Paul II visited Poland in June 1979. And Reagan mm. said, you know, Stalin once asked dismissively, how many divisions does a pope have? He said, well, we just saw it when this <laughs> new pope went to Poland. Right. That's right. Wherever he went, hundreds of thousands, crowds of millions. Yes. And so here again, he's yeah. saying, 
you know, even more than all the great right. armies and statesmen right. of the yeah. world. It's the it's children prayers of, of, of people, the yeah. prayers of people. I mean, like 70 that. years of impacted Soviet tyranny could not impart happiness or prosperity or fulfillment that's to right. the people of Poland. They wanted God. That's right. right. Suddenly, we want God. here's God's vicar. That's and, right. and it really, these, this, is, this is the question of the times. As these two men are rising up in their positions, one in the White House, one yeah. in, in yeah. the Vatican, um, this is the question of the day, right? It I mean, is. This, it is, is. this is communism. This is the Cold War. This is, this is, this is a lot of pain, suffering, and bloodshed that, that, that uh, came through all of this. And Our Lady played a role, but these two men were instruments in that. And, and, no, and really, no one believed at that time and you know I mean we all lived through it right I don't know how you are I guess you're about my age yeah. but it was no one in 1979 80 81 thought the Soviet Union was going to end up in the ash heap of history I yeah. mean no one thought that that could happen except like Ronald Reagan and John Paul II yes, yes. And, and 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 it was the shootings that that brought them together let's let's pick that up on the next segment of Franciscan University presents This much we know for certain. A 70-year war on religion, in Mikhail Gorbachev's apt phrase, orchestrated by what had been an evil empire, in Ronald Reagan's apt phrase, ended peacefully under the leadership of Gorbachev and Reagan. The religious repression was finally over. The bells could ring once again. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. This entire program springs forth from the very heart of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. We're recording this right now in our studios here on the Communication Arts Studio. Our students are operating the cameras and equipment. Our panelists um, are theology professors here at the university. Uh, today, we've been talking about a pope and a president, uh, an exciting and exceptional book by uh, Dr. Paul Kenger. Um, Paul, we, we've, we've really laid a great foundation. Our Lady of Fatima, we've talked about the faith, I think surprising interest that, that Reagan had in Our Lady and the Catholic Church. Um, but now let's get the intersection because that's really sure. the heart of your book. Um, these two men had a lot of similarities maybe in their growing up, but really there was, there was a seminal moment that I think bound them uh, even before their first meeting, um, a, a year before maybe their first meeting, and the assassination attempts on sure. their lives. Um, so let's talk about their first meetings and, and just how that unfold. Well, Reagan had wanted to meet with John Paul II much earlier, right? Okay. In fact, uh, June 1979, when he was watching footage of the Holy Father returning yeah. to Poland, and I talked to uh, Richard Allen, yes. Dick Allen, yeah. who was on your board. That's right, right board Franciscan. Yep. And he talked about sitting in Reagan's living room with him in California. They had been uh, talking foreign policy all day, and they turned on the, the evening news, and they saw footage of John Paul II there in Poland. <laughs> and he said Reagan had tears in his eyes. Mm. And he said, that's it, that's it. The Pope is the key, the Pope is the key. Oh, he said, wow. Dick, we've got to find a way to get elected and reach out to him and the Vatican and make them an ally. Yeah, That's how yeah. he put it. He knew it from the very beginning. He knew it from the very beginning. Yeah. So, so he wanted to meet with him. And one of the things I found in the declassified stuff at the Reagan Library, when Pio Laghi was assigned as the Apostolic Nuncio to Washington, and I think this was December of 1980, yeah. and Reagan had just been uh, just won the election, wasn't inaugurated yet, and Laghi talked about being shocked that he got this, this letter, this telegram from Reagan congratulating him 
on being picked. He said, I didn't think you knew who I was. <laughs> but it was an indication that Reagan was already excitedly right. reaching right. out. Yeah. And I found documentation. They were trying to figure out a way in February 1981, this is a couple weeks after Reagan was inaugurated, to try to get the two of them together, the right. staffs. Right. right, they knew the history crossed. They the, knew, they yeah. knew right then and well, there. Like, all the while, these movements are orchestrated by higher intelligence, yes. higher power. Right. Yeah. Reagan and, and the Pope together spoke about the DP. Yeah. Yeah, the the DP, the divine plan. plan. That's and, right. And uh, it, that his freedom, God's freedom, concerts with the freedom of the U.S. president and the vicar of Christ to bring down the evil empire. Yeah. And, that, and that of all things, part of the DP, if you will, and Reagan thought about things this way, right? Yeah. I mean, he had a very kind of Calvinist sense, right, of... Um, Augustinian. Uh, yeah, Augustinian. Okay. <laughs> good right, and evil. Good. Yeah. yeah, well, of good and evil, and all, of also, he got this from his mom, who wouldn't have seen it as Calvinist. I mean, right. but... but right, that's right, of God's sovereignty. Everything happens for a reason, yeah. good and bad. You know, Ronnie, uh, that bad thing happened for this good reason. God will bring good out of this yeah. if you're yeah. faithful. And Reagan said all the time over and over in his memoirs. So, so he was shot March 30th, 1981. John Paul II immediately sent notes saying he was praying for him. Mm, yeah. And then, and then John Paul II was shot, and Reagan immediately sent note to him. Of all things, too, he, he shot on May 13th. Four days later, Reagan's first public speech is at Notre Dame. Of all places. Yeah, He's yeah. given the commencement. There, how can that be coincidence? Right. He just happened to be scheduled to give the commencement speech in Notre Dame. And Reagan had been shot six weeks earlier. He wasn't out talking a lot then, right? Mm -hmm. So they that point on, they tried to figure out how to get together, how could they get together. They um, there's a push domestically for the tax cut in the summer right. of 1981. Solidarity movement, martial law in Poland in December of 81, which brought them even closer together. Yeah. And then finally, June 1982 at the Vatican, they finally got together. The Vatican documents on this are classified until the year 2057. <laughs> And you know, I've been told that there was a note taker, and that, that there is documentation on this. But it was it was Reagan and the Holy Father alone, pretty much for 50 minutes at the Vatican Library. Bill Clark told me what Reagan told him and others, and they said Reagan said to him, "Look how the evil forces intervened, and how divine providence stepped in yeah. to spare us." Yeah. And they believe Reagan said that. Reagan said that. Oh, Reagan goodness. said that. And the other thing Reagan said that's really striking, Regis, is I mean, imagine the non-Polish president telling this to the Polish Pope. He said, "Hope remains in Poland." Wow. You know, yeah. we working together can keep it alive. So in Poland, of all things, he's thinking about Poland, Reagan. Right. Yeah. So they resolved then and there. They believed God had spared their lives for a special purpose. Yeah. And, and it was to take down and defeat atheistic Soviet communism. And, and they both had that as really a co-mission. It, right? was, it was the they, mission. They, they, it was they the saw call. That. Yeah. And they were fearless the as men before the they assassination were. attempts. They really were. But this just doubled it. It just doubled it. And, and the greatest irony of all is, you know, the two people who really understood the power of John Paul II to bring down communism, the two sides, if you will, was Ronald Reagan and the Kremlin. So if there's yeah. anything that Reagan and the Kremlin ever agreed on, it was the right. power of this pope. Yeah, the pivotal uh, importance. The pivotal yeah. importance. Let, let's go to this, okay? You, you, you say the Kremlin knew. They knew. They knew the power, right? They knew the power that the pope had so did they do anything about it? Well, that's, so, that's, so that's why Reagan said, I got to reach out to the Pope and make him an ally. And that's why the Kremlin yeah. said, we got to reach out and put a bullet in him 
Yeah, we have to take yeah. him down. We've yeah. got to assassinate him. There's always been a little speculation. I've read it in Tom Clancy yes, novels. I've yes. seen it in other places. But you and really... It's, it's a slam dunk. I mean, there's no question right. that the Soviets yeah. did it, that they ordered yeah. the hit. The Holy Father himself believed You have documentation that, and interviews that point to that. that that's right. Uh, Bill Casey at the CIA, Bill Clark at the NSC. And really, the Holy Father came to the conclusion July 18th, 1981, when he, was, when he got the third secret of Fatima. He was recovering in Jameli Clinic. And as Jeevich said, Father Jeevich, he started thinking about the remarkable dates, the coincidence, yeah. May 13th, two 13ths of May. He said, two 13ths of May. Yeah. And so he requested to see the third secret. And uh, Cardinal Sepper of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith brought it to him. Two documents, one was white, one was yellow, one was a Portuguese original, one was an Italian translation. And he said, he sat there and he read the third secret. And he said, this this was my destiny. This this applies to me, mm-hmm. which connected you know the errors and persecutions of communism right. to the third secret, which is the attack, the shooting, the apparent killing of the bishop in white, the Holy Father. And so he said, "This this is me." It applies. So by, I mean, Time Magazine reported, I think it was December 1982, that mm-hmm. even by then, John Paul II was telling his aides that he believed the Soviets were behind it. Right. What right. threw me for a loop was I was sitting in Bill Clark's ranch living room with him when we were doing work on his, uh, his autobiography. And we talked about it, a million things. Clark had to talk yeah. on the phone every day. We would talk by phone every day. My family spent time in his ranch two or three summers. We'd spent weeks at his ranch house. And one day... It just struck me. We talked about everything. I said, Bill, I don't think I ever asked you about what you and Reagan thought about the shooting of the Pope. And he said, oh. <laughs> he said, yeah, well, Paul. And, and I didn't even, I was so struck by what he said, I didn't even hit the record button on my handheld recorder. And he proceeded to tell me that he and Reagan and Bill Casey, the Irish Catholic who ran the CIA, from the very beginning suspected that the Soviets were involved. Yeah. You know, they thought that the Soviets were And they involved. even did an investigation. They did an investigation, and that was one of the moments in my research of all of this that I kept thinking, I, I have to write a book yeah. on this. Yeah. I learned that the CIA did a truly super-secret, tight, internal investigation. That document has still never been released, but uh-huh. believe me, it exists. I mean, everyone, you know, people know that it does. And uh, Casey ordered a kind of a group within the CIA, because the CIA establishment... You know, they thought, wow, Moscow wouldn't do this. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't right. shoot. They wouldn't go that far. They wouldn't go that right. far. But Casey thought, oh, yeah, they'd go that far. I mean, you know, this is an evil empire. They, they would do it. So I was told the report was done by two young women, one in her late 20s, early 30s, the other probably late 30s, early 40s. And it was released, I think, internally April, May 1985. I was told about Casey briefing Reagan on it. And I give in the book, I think, the exact date and time that Yep. He briefed him. Yep. And the report concluded that the Soviets ordered the hit on the Pope. Right. And, right. and it was the Soviet GRU, military intelligence. And, and, yep. and then these two, you know, Reagan and the Pope, went on to work. Again, we talked about this. That's their mission. But I didn't realize until I see this how many times they interacted and how they coordinated efforts. Yes, uh, many times. So, uh, that, I mean, that was fascinating to me. St- really, too many, too many letters and cables and Western Union telegrams, and I couldn't even count them all. I mean, there were uh, a couple of Reagan scholars said that by the end of 1981, it looked like already a dozen letters right. that were exchanged before between them. That's 1981. That's right. before they even met. Yeah. You but, know, it, it occurs to me that, that in the light of this evidence that, that seems unimpeachable, 
why wasn't something done about it? Why not a public uh, announcement? Uh, point the finger, not at the KGB, they were acquitted, but Soviet military intelligence, you guys engineered this hit on the Pope. Uh, why didn't we do that? And I, I was told that Casey briefed, Bill Casey briefed the Holy Father on uh -huh. this. Flew to Rome, he flew there countless times in this windowless black C-141 jet. <laughs> no one knows how many times that, that, that he flew there. But I was told that he briefed John Paul II on the finding, and, and John Paul II just said, I know. Yeah. yeah, I pretty knew this sure. pretty much from the beginning, yeah. and he requested that that we keep it secret, that we not release it. He didn't want World War Three start over this, right. and and a couple of other sources told me that by and one of them, Thomas Melody, the ambassador to the Vatican Maybe. under George H. Yeah. W. Bush, he said that when he brought it up in 1989, and Casey at that point had been dead a couple of years, he brought it up to John Paul II, and John Paul II said at that point. Too much good is now happening. I mean, he was about to meet yeah. with Gorbachev. Oh, yeah. Berlin oh, Wall is falling. Yeah. And, and he also thought, others reported this, Paul Henze and others, that John Paul II felt that if he publicly blamed the Soviets, right. they would launch a disinformation campaign, right. especially when Yuri Andropov was still alive right. before Gorbachev. Right. They would deny it. And of course, there'd be people on the left in the United States that would reflexively believe the Soviets over right. the Holy Father on this. And it'd be right. a big propaganda. And he figured people already assumed they were involved anyway. Right. That's, nice. that's just as good as... Let's just let it go. Yeah. yeah. And, his, and, their, and their focus was, let's take the evil empire down. Let's take it down. Instead of... Yeah. What's no. done is done. They're evil. And, and, you know, this is what evil does. I've survived. Now let's take it down. When I saw this documentary, The Nine Days That Changed the World... Yeah. Yes, you the, know, the new Gingrich documentary. Yeah. You realized it's what the Soviets done. witnessed, along with all of the Polish Catholics. I mean, that's we so didn't good. have enough of a close, you know, a front row seat to see what the KGB saw, you know? Right, right. And so unleashing the forces in 79 that would bring down the Iron Curtain in 89, I mean, drastic action had to be taken by the Soviets because they could see this is going to have a ripple effect that's gonna be almost unstoppable unless we preempt it, you know? They did. And it was until they, they made an attempt and they failed. Yeah, they, right. they learned right away. Our lady I, stepped I mean, in. they really got it. And so, I mean, in a sense, it's like, really? In another sense, it's a no-brainer. I mean, of sure. course they would have been behind. Of course they would have. And, and they, it, I found, reading old Soviet press archives, right after Reagan was inaugurated, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the pieces in the Soviet and communist media, they were all so vitriolic and over the top, right. full of hyperbole and nasty. It's unbelievable to read this stuff. I mean, right. these guys were the, Right. greatest liars in there. And they got away with a lot of it. They got away with it. But there was, a, I think it was a February 1981 piece, and they were talking about, they were warning about a new alliance between the president and the pope. Oh, yeah. Between, yeah. Uh, they, they called John Paul II a perfidious, malicious toady right. of the American militarists wow. conspiring wow. to attack communism with his new boss in the White House. Right, right. His new yeah. boss. And that's how they thought, right? So imagine they're, they're behind the shooting of the Holy Father, and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Well, now they better really worry about an alliance between right. these two because they've just succeeded now in creating a bond between Reagan and John Paul II that they couldn't have imagined. That's right. And, that's right. and if one or two of those guys would have died in March, May 1981, yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. None of this, right. none yeah. of what History happened would look would very different. Very, very, very yeah. different. So the Soviets... 
they got it. Yeah. One thing that they understood was, was the power of this pope, yeah. which is why they wanted him dead. Yeah. Well, you play out beautifully the, just the whole context uh, where this, this, this story is being played out. You bring the documentation, you bring the stories, but you bring, you bring to life what was going on. Because, I mean, for a lot of us, that these were, these were seen overseas, that some of these, yes, the, the, the right, picture right. of this. Yeah, we didn't you know? see any of it. Isn't and that true? Behind closed doors or, or secret or declassified documents. But now we're seeing Our Lady's Hand. We're seeing these two men and you know others maybe too. But, but that, that is what our day, we're, we're struggling with similar evils of our right, day, right. you know? I mean, sure. I think there's a lot of lessons that we can draw. Uh, yeah, and, and what you don't see, right? I mean, Frank Shakespeare briefing Reagan one-on-one oh, on one about yeah. Fatima yeah. as they're flying in the airplane to Rome in 1987. Yeah. I mean, no yeah. one ever saw that. There is no, no taker for it. None of it. I yeah. mean, the things that maybe we won't know until the next world. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Stay with us for the final segment of Franciscan University Presents. In the end, who gets credit for religious freedom in Russia is less important than the freedom so many gained. Ronald Reagan, from his governorship to his presidency, kept a sign on his desk that read, There is no limit to what a man can do or where he can go if he doesn't mind who gets the credit. It was a philosophy that served Reagan well in his public life and his plans for a better world. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy and you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily Mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu pilgrimages. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, this is our final segment. Uh, Regis, could you start us off? Yeah, I mean, the obvious thing is to thank you for coming and for writing this really powerful book. Uh, it's a, an immense work of scholarship. I'm really awed by your industry uh, and your, you articulate uh, the themes so well. It's wonderfully engrossing. Mm -hmm. uh, you had said something just before the end of that last uh, segment, which is really tantalizing. Uh, what would the world be like yeah. without these two men, right. without the shaping influence they had? They were pivotal figures, titanic figures. The absence of those two. Mm -hmm. If those bullets had done their work right, and right. wiped them from the face of the earth, this world would be very different. History is, is written by powerful men. I, I think of Churchill as well. Those three together, I think, shaped the contours of the last century. And then you wonder what's coming down the pike right, in right. this new century. I mean, we have a president who recently went abroad, his first trip, he visited Mecca, Saudi Arabia, Jerusalem, and Rome. That's something. And who knows what contacts are even now being cultivated between Trump and Pope Francis. We have a foe, an enemy out there that in some ways is more threatening, more 
destructive than even the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was doomed uh, to self-implode, but Islam is on the march, mm. and uh, we have to make common cause. If we had that kind of leadership now that we clearly had then, the differences, I think, would be dramatic. Mm -hmm. But who knows? I mean, the hand of God you know, is still and, being written. And for as much as maybe Pope Francis and Trump surprisingly got along in yeah. a way that people didn't expect, even then, they don't have the kind of um, common understanding and bond and thinking that Reagan and John Paul II had on so many different issues. And of course, they weren't, weren't both shot the year right. before right. and survived. Yes. So, yeah. so you, that is such a, you, what we saw with Reagan and John Paul II was so utterly and totally unique yeah. that you, you, know, you probably will never see that again. Yeah. Scott? You know, when I think of the millennials, this generation that we're now commissioned to teach, uh, <laughs> I get a sense that these figures who are almost a generation before are larger than life, more legendary than real. And even among Catholic young people who drink the water, who breathe the air, there's, I think, a temptation to cynicism. Mm. That is, you know, th this is all fine and good, but I mean, let's, let's get real. And I think what we have to take away is not just we need more political leaders, we need more popes like, I mean, but that the hand of God is the one who is providing this sort of governance. And mm. he will work through popes, he'll work through presidents. He might even bring the grace of conversion to Russia and fulfill that element of the uh, apparitions too. And I pray that continually. But the one thing that I think will surprise us in every generation is that he'll almost inevitably, God will always tend towards little children. Mm. You know, that he is going to do more with less. Yeah. And only years, maybe even a century later, will we wake up and realize this is just the lesson of the gospel heard once again, you mm -hmm. know, that we don't have to be big and strong and famous and fearless. You know, all we have to be is faithful. Yeah. And, and, and once we are, God can move mountains. Yeah. And so I think the takeaway for me is not just to pray for a president like Reagan or not just to ask our Lord to bless and empower our Pope, but to also pray for those anonymous little children that Our Lady is working through right at this very moment. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you never know, right? And, right. and I mean, and of all things, you know, when, when he was picked as Pope in October 1978, and, mm. you know, and he turned to Father Zivich and said, you know, the Italian phrase, you know, liposino, you know, what, what have they done? <laughs> Do they know what they've done? Right. I mean, they picked the first non-Italian Pope in 455 years, the first Slavic Pope ever, and right out of the heart of the communist bloc. I mean, if you don't see that as providential, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what you do. And yeah. I talked to Michael Reagan and I have had this conversation a bunch of times, and, and I spoke at the Reagan Library a few weeks ago, and he and he, he in the Q&A brought this up hmm. because he never lets a moment go by without mentioning this. He talked to Margaret Thatcher not long before she died, and she said, you know, Michael, imagine if your dad had won the presidency in 1976, what all we could have done even earlier. And Michael said, no, 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 no. If he would have won in 1976, John Paul II didn't come in until, until two years later. You didn't come in for three years later. Mikhail Gorbachev didn't come in until 1985. Reagan would have been out after two right. terms. And, and so, you know, Michael believed and his dad believed that this was God's plan. The DP. Yeah, the DP. And he yeah. told his daughter, Maureen, at the time, who kept crying. She kept saying, Dad, they say you're going to be too old by 1980. And he kept telling her, 
God has a plan. There's a reason for this. Not flustered at all, happy as he could be, not, not depressed. He didn't miss his chance. If God wanted this to happen, it would happen in due course. And boy, did it happen. So Carter course. was divinely decreed. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Looking back with thanks to Jimmy Carter, right? For, um, and, and yeah, and think about that. Of all people, he goes against Carter in 1980. Yeah. And uh, I, somebody wrote a piece, I think, for the Washington Post after, after Reagan left in 1989, saying, Looking back with thanks to Jimmy Carter. But they said, Only with. With what happened under Carter, where the country have been willing to turn right, to a right. genuine conservative yeah. like Reagan, who wasn't a detente guy. Right. He wasn't like Nixon. He wasn't like Ford. And they turned to him and they gave him 44 out of 50 states. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he had the mandate, the landslide, to go and do what he wanted to do. Then he just needed his partner in the Vatican. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you, you have uh, done an exceptional job in this book, in the research, and what you're presenting. Um, if you've enjoyed today's uh, topic, we have a handout for you that you can get for free at faithandreason.com or just for asking. It's a great interview uh, with, with Paul on the book and the topic that we've uh, discussed today and on the book. Uh, you really should get the book because this is, this is a, a fabulous uh, a treatise, really, on on these two seminal figures and the way uh, God and particularly Our Lady used them. And it's so readable. Mm. Oh, that's the thing. Mm. That's a credit to the editor, too, Jed, Jed Donahue and ISI Books. They did an amazing job with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so thank you. Thank you for thank the work you. there. You guys are great. And when, when, I, um, uh, when I think about what we are challenged with today, um, I look forward and say, first, I think we need to recognize that there is a divine plan, uh, that we all are challenged to play our role, our part in this, this, this divine divine drama as it plays out. And each of us have callings and giftings. Maybe we're supposed to be, uh, you know, run for office. Maybe we're supposed to be the president of the United States. Or maybe we're supposed to be that little child who listens to Our Lady. Um, but I think we need to pray for our leaders and, and really immerse ourselves. Um, as Our Lady of Fatima uh, said, or, or through the seers, that the, the final battle will be over marriage and family. We need to recognize that there is a battle going on and we can't be on the sidelines. And we need to follow Jesus's pattern and and go to Jesus through Mary if we're going to really redeem uh, this world and transform it uh, for Christ. I want to invite you uh, to be a part of Franciscan University's mission. I believe I have a front row seat uh, to what God is doing in renewing the church and the world today. And I want you to possibly come here to Steubenville, Ohio to get classes, uh, to get your degree, uh, whether it be undergraduate or a master's degree or online. Um, or join us at some of our dynamic and inspiring uh, summer conferences. Or join with us on a pilgrimage as we go to places like Fatima and the Holy Land. Um, or if you could join us uh, at, at faithandreason.com to be truly equipped for the new evangelization, to see Paul Kanger, Scott Hahn, Regis Martin, and so many others to go forth to evangelize the world. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. To download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithandreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381. Or call 740-283-6357.